2: The pandemic has had an impact on fine wines and spirits, including champagne. What does that mean for your New Year's Eve?
0: You know, when I've gone to a a state store to pick up my delivery, for example, there's a limit on Dom Perignon. There's a limit on Veuve Clicquot. There's only so, so much product to go around. And to that end, yeah, of course, it's going to be scarce. So what are some alternative options for ringing in the new year? Keep it here for what to drink
2: and how to drink it. This is a podcast about food in and around Philadelphia.
1: That's a quick, delicious, flavorful, bite it was
2: really hard for me to get into it stories from behind the kitchen this is a wood burning oven from italy it is intense and hear about quirky stuff too eat a pint of ice cream as quickly as you can and then resume the 5k this is what's cooking on kyw Well, it's almost the end of the year. I'm Hadass Kuznet, and to celebrate, I'm with Gordona Kostovsky, and we are talking about the big celebration, New Year's Eve, and of course, what goes better with New Year's Eve than champagnes and wine. So Gordona is the owner, operator, and sommelier at Townsend-Wentz Restaurant Corporation, and I met her here at Townsend on East Pashank to talk about what to drink for the big celebration. Before we get into what to drink,
0: let's talk about how to drink. Sure. Much and merry, and most and all champagne. Champagne, of course. Uh, Lots of bubbles, lots of sparkles. We have to get that out, the
2: champagne flutes. Does it taste different in champagne flutes as opposed to just a regular wine glass if you don't have anything
0: else? I'm going to try to be fun and not more technically speaking. I I tend to be very direct and serious. So there is absolutely strong differences between coupes and flutes. I like to do a white wine glass for the most part, unless you have something more definitive. We have gorgeous, gorgeous custom coupes that are hand-blown glass. I've tasted side by side. And if you can get a flute that's somewhat across between a white wine glass and a traditional flute, then you're in good position. And of course, your glass makes all the difference. Absolutely. Can can you explain how that, yeah, how that (laughs)
2: happens?
0: Well, in your mood, but just the expression of the wine itself, certain glassware is more conducive to certain wines and champagne really, really thrives in something of that shape. What does it do to the bubbles? Well, you can see the bubbles. You know, it's beautiful to see the mousse, the perlage, which are the bubbles that come up from the base. You can't see them in coupes per se. But if you have just the right glass, you can really admire the brilliance and the absolute sheer finesse of what champagne really is. And that's, it's my go-to drink of choice. So, you know, for me, I've certainly solidified my position and what glass to drink it out of.
2: You can see the kind of line of the bubbles going up. That's
0: called the perlage. The mousse is literally just the the bubbles on the top, especially when you first pour it. There is a way to pour it with more finesse, um, sometimes tilting the glass, but for the most part, just patience. This bottle's been waiting to be opened And, you know, when you have it, enjoy it, savor it, really, really take in the moment. The amount of work that actually has gone into that specific bottle. I'm very, very, very true to uh, wine and grapes, but also where they came from and what it's about. So what
2: is happening this year? I understand there are some shortages.
0: Yeah, nice segue right there. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, it all stems from, you know, what we all have been going through, right? Pandemic. Yes. Yes. Every story is about the pandemic. Well, life happens. And it's what we do to embrace what happens in life. And this is what farmers have had to do. This is what importers have had to do. This is what distributors, meaning carriers, how to distribute the wine to where it's going. And then, you know, restaurants weren't open. So why would we buy something that we weren't able to to actually sell. And so when we're not buying something, the distributors are not also buying it. And if the distributors are also not buying it, then those wonderful champagne houses and grower farmer champagne houses, they don't have anything to sell, right? It's not going anywhere. So what do they do? You know, they cut back as well. So it's a fine line. And you can see the lineage from the farmer to the restaurant. And I've always, always understood that relationship. And I think this really highlights that aspect of what we're all going through, because it's not just with champagne, or just with wine, or just with restaurants, and it transcends uh, time and space with other categories. And we found that in reopening, we have really, really, really been able to connect with our guests from that standpoint, that it's not just restaurants that have taken a hit, even though obviously nobody was dining during that period. So it really, really was a very intense time for owner-operators, especially smaller owner-operators. But Think of the farmers, think of the champagne houses who have been doing this for years and decades and the heritage and the lineage that's involved there. You know, so much respect and then what they needed to do. Needless to say, I think those years were also very bad from a farming standpoint, from a global warming standpoint to people being sick, not being able to work. You know, that happens in the field as well. And then, yes, shipments, shipments are taking longer. I can't get certain products, but it's what how we shift that and we actually have to educate our guests to that standpoint. You know, we're not able to get that product in, but we have this or or that's an option or this is an option. We also in our restaurants don't carry the mainstream champagnes per se. We have beautiful boutique champagnes. We have very specific relationships with very specific houses and those aren't always In the state of Pennsylvania, those aren't always readily available in a store. So that helps us out a little bit in terms of stock. But yeah, there's been shortages not just with champagne. It's been with scotch. It's been with bourbon. It's been with beer. It's been with so many aspects of the beverage world, the culinary world, the restaurant world. So we've been able to navigate a better way to communicate with our teams and then also with our guests. And then until things get back to a good place all around. What's noticeable? What will we notice is missing
2: this year as far as the champagnes that we want to drink for New Year's Eve?
0: I think there's been... You know, when I've gone to a, a state store to pick up my delivery, for example, there's a limit on Dom Perignon. There's a limit on Veuve Clicquot. There's only so much, so much product to go around. And to that end, yeah, of course, it's going to be scarce, but there's plenty of options So much to drink. You know, whether you do cava, which I'm a huge fan of. Uh, Years ago, I did a a wonderful dinner with uh, Pepe Ravento's. Ravento's is a gorgeous, gorgeous uh, winery. So fix us up with
2: uh, what is comparable. So we have a shortage of X and you can drink Y, which is similar.
0: Well, there's nothing like champagne per se. But true to the point of Pepe Ravento's, which I just mentioned, you know, the beautiful sparkling wine that's made in Spain can rival champagne from champagne in France. And then there's other, other areas of the world now that are thriving from a sparkling standpoint. You know, England being one of them, that's something that was unheard of beforehand, but now it's thriving. But of course, you know, domestically, California has beautiful sparkling wine. It's not to be denied a place in that whole world. But there are other regions in France itself that can be drank. It's not technically champagne, but it's Cremant, Cremant de Lemieux, which we actually serve by the glass. There's beautiful sparkling that comes from the Penedès region. There's German sparkling. There's so many possible options. And then there's always, you know, newcomers to the field. So yeah, there's plenty. You just have to be open. I like to go to Moore Brothers myself. They carry my favorite champagne, which is Diebold Valois. It's my anniversary champagne, the Flor de Passion. But to your point, there's a shortage of specific vintages of Flor de Passion. But there are so many other options. So it's just a matter of being open and saying, okay, we can't have that at the moment. It'll come back when it's ready, and just being positive with it, and just uh, trying something new. And literally, there are specialists in in stores. They're able to help with decision making in terms of uh, other options. We were at Moore Brothers recently for my birthday, and we didn't buy Fleur de Passion, but we bought something else that was really extraordinary, and we'll we'll drink it on on uh, New Year's Eve ourselves. So,
2: so, so you're saying some of the the big champagnes that were going to be missed? Um, just mention like the top three.
0: Dom Perignon for sure. Veuve Clicot, no doubt. And, uh, you know, the, the higher tier bottles that are more single vineyard, like uh, Tappinger. So what's a good comparable drink to Dom, Vouve and Tappinger? Well, grower champagne. So trust your sommelier, trust your local store representative. They know what they're doing. They know what to offer. And, you know, they might have a bottle of something stashed away. Maybe it's not on the shelves because there's only one or two of them. But, you know, a relationship, starting a relationship, with your sommelier, Chamber Street, street online. Um, that's a good way to shop as well. You know, And don't be discouraged. You can find something that's uh, really lovely and beautiful. What do you look for in a champagne? I look for quality. Um, and what does quality mean? Well, everybody has a certain palette, right? It's yours, And what you like is what you like, and be true to that. And I always tell my guests that drink what you like to drink. I can always introduce our guests to so many opportunities, so many options, so many wonderful wines. And if you're open to it, I'm here. I'm here to celebrate with you. But I think for me, I love elegance and finesse. I also like richness and body. And you can have that in champagne, even though typically people you know, might associate champagne with toasty notes and bready notes and um, the brood essence of it. But there is beautiful fruit. You can do Blanc de Blanc, which is all Chardonnay. And that's where your elegance and your finesse comes through and shines through. You can do Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier. That's going to give you a little bit off the beaten path. And I think a lot of people don't realize that champagne actually has more grapes than the noble three. Those are the noble three. But with growers in particular, there's so many opportunities and... Variations in the style of the champagne that you're going to have. There are roses, there are deeper roses, richer roses, there's lighter roses. So it's really a matter of choosing the one that works right for you
2: how do they determine the, the size of the bubble? I mean, that's what makes sparkling wine sparkle, right? The carbon dioxide in it.
0: Well, in champagne, it's part of what it is. The smaller the bubbles, the more the quality, the more the effervescence, the more the joy. You know, I associate bubbles and joy. If, if you notice my earrings today, I wear them because they bring me joy and they remind me of champagne. Mm. And, you know, streams of gorgeous, gorgeous bubbles are gorgeous wine just there for you to, to enjoy and to savor. The How do
2: they get the you said the smaller the bubble, the higher the quality.
0: So how do they do that? Well it's all about the winemaking. It's all about the house. Certain houses have in champagne almost every, every, every wine will have that beautiful, gorgeous essence. And it's very much about the soil, just as much as the winemaking. But if you go to Italy, the wine is made differently, so the bubbles are going to be different. When you go to Spain or even California, when it's aged in a bottle, when it's not, when the bubbles are not introduced to the wine, when it's not forced, it's a whole different experience. So when you have Prosecco, when you have certain Cava, it's all about how, the wine is made, whether it's made in uh, what's called method Champagnois, right? It The bubbles form in the bottle. That's a natural process of the winemaking. If you go to, you know, this doesn't sound as appealing, but when you go to a bulk version of winemaking, sparkling winemaking, and the bubbles are introduced in a tank versus a bottle, just imagine something in a bottle versus something in a tank, of course, you're going to have more bubbles in that bottle, That just that surface area alone, and the care and the time. And, you know, this is why champagne is also pricier, but it's worth it because it's a different experience. You know, it's one thing to have mimosas with um, a sparkling wine. It's a whole different experience to have champagne and to savor that with food. And truly, you know, champagne is meant to be drank with food. It's on its own. It's celebration. It's every day. It can be what you want it to be. It's your choice. But as far as food, certainly, you know, we have... um, What are the best pairings? Oh, my God, so many. And you can't go wrong. You know, you can have it for dessert with you know chocolate if you have a rosé in particular that's the the way i would go uh, uh, oysters on a half shell if you have fried oysters it also goes well so you know it's from raw to fried to sauteed you know i i drink champagne all the time all day long that's my go to
2: i like a good charcuterie board what's your like oh, ideal sure. charcuterie like what's your what, what do you put on a charcuterie board for a new year's eve party
0: oh that's super exciting well lots and lots of cheese, even the charcuterie automatically. I think of Iberico ham. I think of, you know, our Spanish restaurant, Aloroso has the most spectacular uh, cheese and charcuterie. Um, And so I think of Iberico. I think of uh, jamón serrano. There are so many options. I love Soprasada myself, something richer. And then so you have the bubbles with the richness. That's really a true pairing with champagne. That's why it works well with french fries. That's why it works well with oysters. But on a half shell with A little bit of mignonette that works as well. But cheese is a no brainer. The brightness, the salinity, the true essence of champagne helps with food. It helps your palate digest and process. And it's interesting if you break it down from a biological standpoint. We can go in that direction maybe another time. But yeah, champagne's really an extraordinary story, too. I'm not sure if you're aware of it, but champagne was trying to be burgundy in a nutshell. And they couldn't be burgundy because burgundy is burgundy. And when champagne, the terroir, the soil, the chalk, just the limestone, all of the everything that's in champagne screamed that they had to just be champagne. And so the moment they actually embraced it is when champagne started to actually thrive. And I think that's a that's an important lesson overall. Food
2: wise, is there anything unique that like we don't think of? So we think of like the the cheese and the meats. What about the palate cleansers? What vegetables? What olives? What um, like anything unusual?
0: I automatically think truffles. We're serving a, a cheese with um, tartufo at at a, a mano right now for a cheese plate, and I automatically think of bubbles. Uh, for for that specific cheese, I like a blue cheese myself, and I think uh, sometimes if you have a funky champagne to match the funk of, che- of the blue cheese, that would work really well. I I would say even almonds would play off the toastiness. If we're going down the path of like with like-minded, if you want something that's more stark, you know there's always I'm a huge olive girl. I grew up in the or my parents are from the from the Mediterranean. They're from Macedonia and so we did not have a day where we didn't have feta or kalamata olives or alfonso olives on the table. And I would suggest people just play with their their palate and play with different ingredients. Why do olives and pickles go so well with wines and champagnes? I think it's a little bit of a... I mean, there's a brightness and acidity there, right? So when you, when you hear that word acid, generally you don't think positive things. But what acid is, is it's a mouthwatering feel that that starts on your on your palate right and so that mouthwatering feel in your palate helps process food right so if you take a sip of champagne and then you take a bite into olives also there's brightness there both of them are are bright they have salinity you know champagne in a different way and olives that salty essence really kind of shines through but even if you start If you have a really beautiful rosé champagne and you start pairing it with either a quince, with a quince paste or even with just fig, not so much the fig, but the fruitiness always plays off of it. And it depends on the richness of the wine. There are rosés that are super, super deep. They can actually stand up to steak. You know, or a Cote de Boeuf. We do a Cote de Boeuf here. That's really fantastic. There's no opportunity where champagne wouldn't work. Let's put it that way.
2: I'd love to have you helping me set up a New Year's Eve party. What tips would you give for the home entertainers?
0: Ah, well, if you're not joining us for New Year's Eve, which is always just an extraordinary experience for us as well. We love welcoming people into our home. You know, when the guest walks through the door, welcome. Uh, make yourself at home. That's really what we want to convey to our our. Our guests, we've had tons of people who've asked asked us to create charcuterie boards. You know, to your point, for their home. And certainly, it's better enjoyed in the restaurant because certain things don't travel the best. But I always recommend uh, going to De Bruno Brothers, for example. We're typically restaurant. We're not catering per se. But I think honestly, trust people that you've worked with over the year. So if you go to De Bruno Brothers, have fun and pick very specific cheeses that you know will work for you and your guest but also have fun with it. You know, my husband will tell you that I wake up, I think about food. I love food. I love treating people to food. I love entertaining with people and food. I think food is such a critical part of entertaining. And sometimes it can be really stressful, but it doesn't have to be. So if you take a breath. you got to have the food lasting throughout the whole night. Certainly. Well, that's a no-brainer. That's a that's When the food is gone, the people leave, right? Well, that's why you have two cheese boards and two charcuterie boards and you have definitely enough bread and olives, like you said. So there's always little snacks everywhere, right? So I think that's a great way to go. You know, certainly having roast or stews or something that you can have in a crock pot that people can also smell. And to that point, you know, popping those bubbles, technically you're not supposed to make the pop happen, but in the mood and in the festive nature, people certainly let those champagnes pop. Just make sure it's cold. A little known fact about champagne and, and bubbles in general is if your bottle's not cold, your wine will overflow when you open it. Um, So make sure it is cold, 45 at the very least make sure it's to temperature because one you don't want to drink super super warm champagne although I do because then you really tr- get the true essence of the wine you get the notes when it's warmer but when you're opening the bottle for sure make sure that temperature is correct otherwise your wine will overflow and sometimes that's a little bit of fun but uh a little uh, science 101 that when it's cold things are smaller when it's they expand when it's absolutely well, and and it's and it's an explosive uh, situation because, you know, there's atmospheres of pressure there. That's what the uh, the cage, uh, the foil, the cage, the cork, that's what, you know, all those bubbles are being held in until you celebrate in whatever capacity you would like to. But as far as food's concerned, I mean, honestly, have a good time and have fun with it. I'm trying to think um, at home, the best thing, you know, obviously you're celebrating for New Year's Eve. You want to have as, as many staples and snacks um, so you can just you know bite some i think nuts is a is a no-brainer provided you know you can have nuts you like to put them all over your house when you're hosting i think um we don't throw a lot of parties at our house because we throw the parties at the restaurant you know and my my teams will say that we are the ultimate host and hostess especially because we sometimes don't have time to be at our home because we're in the restaurants we're you know, hands-on operations team. Well, well, let's talk about your parties. You're throwing some New Year's Eve parties. Yeah. Let's uh, give us a, a rundown.
2: You've got the areas of the world covered, right? Between do. Spain and... Do you, just give us a rundown.
0: All the cuisines. Yeah, so at Townsend will feature a tasting menu. We'll do two seatings, an early and a late, of course, and it'll be a five to six course tasting menu. Pairings can be involved, lots of champagne available. That's certainly something that is uh, so important to us. It's a personal thing, first- round restaurant, Townsend on each It's personal. It's intimate. Amano will do something comparable to what we normally do in the restaurant. We don't want to change things too much, but obviously we want to celebrate the special occasion. So we'll do a, an abundanza there. It's basically many different courses. A tasting menu of, of sorts, but you get to choose a little bit of the, the dishes. And then at Oloroso, we'll do a tasting menu, which is in, again, the same vein of what we normally do. Beautiful charcuterie, beautiful tapas and raciones, pies of course that's an over that's a that's that's a staple for us mm. and we make it from scratch and by the time you get to pay the pay of course you've had so many flavors already and then lots of lots of sparkling there amano is a byob which is definitely a draw for so many people to celebrate with their own wines and for oloroso all the sparkling and the kava in the world so much fun with bubbles there and so many pairing possibilities and you have a new place the haze Me too. Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, so we have the Haze, which is an American tavern that's open. Certainly have lots of sparkling wine there as well. Yeah, no worries.
2: What's the number one thing you have to have at your restaurants for New Year's Eve? Well, aside from champagne and sparkling wine, of course.
0: Champagne, sparkling wine, the best service. (laughs) You have to have the right
2: service. How is it? Are you able to get servers that want to work on New Year's Eve? Or is that
0: a a difficult holiday? Well, it comes with the territory, right? Everybody knows that they should be working on New Year's. And if you're new to the industry, we make sure that that's something that's mentioned or something that's reviewed. It's the biggest night of the year as far as restaurants are concerned. So the more people, the merrier, but also we're nothing without our teams and our teams are everything. So to execute what we do and how to do it well, we really need our strongest members to be working in full service that night. It's part of the industry. It's something that comes with the territory for sure. Um, So then it's worth mentioning on the podcast that if you're going
2: out and New Year's Eve and people are working on New Year's then take care of them.
0: Always yes we are really grateful we have um, so many guests who are super generous with our teams and it's because they work so hard and I think sometimes people don't realize when something goes smoothly and goes really well it's not by accident. It's something that we strive for. It's wor- what we work for. It's our Super Bowl, you know what I mean? It's uh, it's something that's really exciting for us, but we find that most people are tremendously generous and grateful and appreciative of being in the spaces. Um, and do we you, love that. Do you expect like a
2: large turnout because people are kind of coming out of coronavirus and craving a night out?
0: I think that's been happening and I do, I do. Uh, we've seen quite a bump in reservations. We've seen a lot of positive flow, booking parties, holiday parties. Yeah, I I expect that night to be an epic night for sure.
2: Slowly coming back, coming out of it.
0: Yeah. Crawling out of the pandemic. Well, you know, it's been a a long ride so far, so it'd be nice to get to the destination. (laughs) So we anticipate having um, a full house in each of the restaurants and we we look forward to celebrating with our guests and our teams. What do you like best about New Year's Eve and what will you be drinking? Well, it comes full circle, doesn't it? the celebration of New Year's Eve and the the thoughtfulness that comes with coming of a new year. And then certainly I'll be drinking champagne as soon as I possibly can. (laughs) If not a guest, you know, usually likes to share with Steph and I a bubbles here or some wine here and there. That always makes the night more festive for sure. Awesome.
2: Well, Happy New Year to you.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And likewise, and to you.
2: Thank you. Gordana Kostovsky is the owner, operator, and sommelier of Townsend Wentz Restaurant Corporation. And if people want to make reservations for New Year's Eve or they want to
0: check you out, where can they go? That's a wonderful question. You can just go to the, just the initials of the company, the Townsend Wentz Restaurant Group, uh, just the initials. But any of the restaurants, you can scroll. um, So
2: T-W-R-G...
0: That's correct. Dot <laughs> com. Dot <laughs> com. Okay. Yeah, but you can go to any of the restaurants specifically, and you can scroll down and just see which restaurant you would like to book at. So they're all connected. But of course, we um, we work with Rezi, so you can work work with Resy if you wish for reservations online. Great. So just to remind people, that's
2: Townsend on East Pashank Amano in Fairmount, Oloroso in Center City, and and the Hayes also in Center City. That's correct. Well, Happy New Year to you, and I hope you have a great
0: 2023. What are your thoughts heading on into the, heading into the future as far as the restaurant industry is concerned? Things are looking up. Things are uh, much more positive. We work towards that every day, so uh, we're really excited about uh, a positive movement forward.
2: Godana, thank you so much. It was
0: my pleasure. That's it for this episode
2: of What's Cooking on KYW. You can follow the show and get other delicious tidbits on Instagram at the Two One Five. And follow me on Twitter and Facebook for more news and insights at Hadass Kuznets. If you have a food tip or feedback about the show, reach out. And please take a moment to help us by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes. It helps us to keep making the podcast and get it to new listeners. I'm Hadass Kuznets, and that's what's cooking.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy